0: Hello, this is Catherine Norma and welcome to chapter 8 of my Surviving Divorce podcast. So I needed to be up at 4am to catch my flight from Stansted to Berlin. Um, So I needed to get the 4.30am shuttle bus so I could be at the airport for 5am because I was flying from Berlin and all being well going by train to Dresden the next day. Now, the shuttle buses ran every 30 minutes, and my Ryanair email had said they were experiencing delays through security at the airport, which was why I needed to get there early. And when I got there early, they weren't wrong. It was rammed. Uh, It was absolutely packed. And looking at the queue for the baggage drop-off, I was really, really pleased I only had hand luggage. Um, So I picked up a 100ml bottle of suntan lotion as well. I was quite excited to have found that. Um, I only travel with hand luggage um, as it was going to be 30 degrees in Germany. And I thought um, I might get sunburned outside if I was stood outside um, with no suntan lotion on in the sunshine. So because I was planning to be at the front of the queue again, so I'd have to get there really, really early. Um, now, you also need FSPS masks at that point still to travel and public transport in Germany. Um, so I got some more of those as well. Now, I had obviously forgotten both sets of plastic cutlery. And for those who haven't heard my earlier podcast, um, <laughs> I've had to use chopsticks to eat stuff in my room. Um, plastic cutlery is really an essential traveling option unless you're going to be eating with lots of other people. Now, I realised mid-flight this was the case. So, back to eating salad in my room with my fingers, unless I could work up the courage to eat on my own. But at least I booked breakfast in my hotel, so that wasn't too bad. Now, I got to Berlin on time, so that was great. And I wandered round Berlin and found the Brandensburg Gate and the Reichstag. Um, But it was really, really seriously hot. And it was actually too hot to walk anywhere else, especially because I was... um, carrying a really heavy rucksack because I was getting the train to Dresden later on. So I decided to chill out in the Reichstag garden because it was really really nice there. I have to say as well, um, when I'm travelling in Germany, I tend to travel first class because it's so cheaper, especially if you buy the ticket in beforehand, which I had. So after spending a few hours uh, sunbathing in the Reichstag, Um, I stood waiting, found my way to the train station and then waited for the train. And I remember my first trip abroad this year to Stuttgart when I'd found a supermarket and bought some food. And I was really, really scared because we'd just come out of restrictions and everyone was scared. And I really didn't like talking to anyone and I felt so low and I cried a lot. Um, But... I also remember being in Hanover and the self-service bakery and I wasn't sure what to do so I stood and watched other people and worked it out from them. But now in Berlin I just worked straight into the self-service section of the supermarket, didn't even think twice about it and just got what I wanted to get and it's surprising how much your confidence grows the more you travel especially when you're on your own and I'm now starting to picture myself in a cafe ordering a cake on my own it's a tactic that I've learnt from taking part in dressage competitions you picture yourself riding the dressage test before you do it so you can see yourself doing it although I do think the zip might be broken on my shorts I've lost count of the amount of times that I've done them up today only to find them done and done again an hour later now there was some initial confusion when I was at the station as to whether or not the train out the platform was the train to Dresden because it was signposted something else. But a few German people inquired, and then I asked them very kindly in English, which they replied to me in English, that it was the right train. Now trains are a great place, I think, to meet people on. And on this train, I met a lady called Simona. Um, for which for those non-James Blunt fans is a name of one of characters in his song 1973 and she asked me in german if her bag was in the way it was in the seat i was looking for i replied in english it's fine and i sat in the seat behind as the train was nearly empty at least the first class carriage we were in was nearly empty anyway and a quarter of the way into our journey she held out an english magazine and asked what the nhs was pointing to an article She had bought a copy of the English magazine to practice her English and obviously was very excited to find an actual English person on the train. I explained that I worked for the NHS and the figures showed the millions of patients who are waiting for treatment. But it didn't say if the figures were NHS England or NHS Scotland combined. So that was a bit confusing. She was really pleased to have an English person to talk to. And we moved on to the subject of the top elite versus the people at the bottom and how I thought the gap between the two was widening with the very rich and the very poor. And this would get worse as inflation was at 9.1% at the time of our conversation. She said it was exactly the same in Germany. Now her flight to Dresden had been cancelled, which was why she was on the train. She was on a business trip and she told me a little of her life and that she'd started a new job just at the start of COVID and then had been told to work from home So she had no one in the office to ask for help. And it was a reminder that no matter where we are in the world where we live, we're all humans and our experience of COVID was similar worldwide. And this links everyone together. No matter what colour or religion we are, we all had to live with COVID and every single individual has their own COVID story that links us to one in each other across the world. We then chatted about music. She only knew one James Blunt song, as I say, 1973, um, the year I was born, in fact, because her name was in the song, Simona. (laughs) She liked the cause. They were her favourite band. Although Simona had no way of knowing, apart from conversations with my friend Caroline, this was actually the longest conversation that I'd had with anyone all year especially a stranger, and it felt great because I wasn't able to speak to anyone at the beginning of the year. Or maybe didn't want to is a more accurate reflection. Now, here I was on a strange train in a foreign country, heading to a strange town, having a conversation with a stranger for an hour and a half on my journey. It was brilliant. And now, being asked English, I asked her about the weather. Is it always this warm here, I said. She laughed and replied, no. Do you get any snow? Well, we do sometimes, sometimes. We didn't have any last year. My son was not very happy. He enjoys playing in the snow. But the year before, we had too much. So it's the same in Germany. People moaning about the snow, not having enough and then having too much. That made me laugh. And we talked about living costs. The German government had reduced the cost of public transport for three months at this time. And you could buy a special ticket because living costs were so high. We discussed whether living costs were due to Brexit, and I found myself apologising for Brexit. Or was it Ukraine? We decided maybe it was a bit of both. And we both agreed, though, that it was a wake-up call, and that although we may be individual islands and countries, our economies are now linked in one global economy, and what happens in one country impacts on other countries. We're no longer just a small, independent island that we were in the 1970s and 80s. And just because Mr. Northerner doesn't like Johnny Foreigner coming in because they've been misinformed on social media about their jobs being stolen, when actually the jobs the foreign workers do are the ones that the English don't want to do because they require hard work, such as picking strawberries. And yes, I have done that for two days when I was a student, and it is hard work. But now Mr. Northerner, and I'm a Northerner, I can say this, is moaning that the cost of strawberries has gone up because the farmers have lost half their crop because they can't get anyone to pick them because Mr. Northerner and his friends don't want to do it. Now, do people not see that everybody has access to social media, even other countries, and... For example, if Russia wanted to divide Britain from Europe, which mm, they have, what better way to do it than to spread misinformation using social media? And the whole point of the EU was to provide stability after the war and to safeguard against the same ever happening again. Now, due to misinformation, we have Brexit, and look what's happened. Russia started a war, and then rather now Britain being great with a laughing stock of the world, which but has put a once really strong country in a very weak position, while the likes of Rees-Mogg are laughing all the way to the bank because they've earned a fortune and don't care about anyone at the bottom who will suffer the most, as long as he can buy the next version of the Aston Martin when it comes out, VAT free probably, because you buy it through one of his companies. I don't know if Rees-Mogg drives an Aston Martin, but you get my point. And next year, strawberries will be a luxury that the Palmer poor people can't afford but re smog can as the farmer has lost too much money this year not getting his crops in and now he isn't getting EU subsidies um, either so he's decided to leave quite a few of his fields fallow and then we'll just have to import them from Spain instead and we'll have to pay more for the strawberries imported from Spain because we're no longer part of the EU oh dear i really am starting to sound like jeremy clarkson aren't i Simone told me that the polish workers come to germany to pick the asparagus crops as the German people don't want to do that job, and the farmers there are warning of crops rotting in the fields. So even though we've had Brexit, the Germans are still having the same issues with a different crop and the same worker problems. Now, Simona asked me why I was travelling to Dresden, and I told her it was to see James Blunt, and she asked where I was staying, so I told her, and she ran through where I needed to go to, where my hotel was and what travel ticket I should get as there was this special one at the moment. She also told me gave me a list of what to see in Dresden and where the concert venue was, which mode of transport to take and which stop to get off at. And when she left this train a stop before mine, I was really sad to see her go as the likelihood of me ever meeting her again was probably about a billion to one. And I probably should have asked her if she was on Instagram or any form of social media Um, When I left the train, I followed Simone's directions to the hotel. She said it was a new one, which it was, and when I was safely installed in my room, I unpacked, tired from the journey, as it was now quite late, and I was thirsty. They didn't have any hot chocolate, so enjoying tasting different things this year, I tried peppermint tea as well, which was actually quite nice. Now, I keep waking up at 4am, although it was 3am UK time when I did wake up in the morning, and I drifted in and out of unconsciousness until I finally got up at 6am and headed down for breakfast. I see I was staying in the Premier Inn, and it was new, as Smilla said. And now I've stayed in a few Premier Inns, and there's one thing about them, that is the beds are really, really comfy, and the showers are brilliant. The breakfast is always good value. At Euro 13.50 in Dresden, compared to Euro 18, I was quoted in Berlin. I just went off to the local bakery and bought a croissant as I was travelling as I was travelling in a Seustin budget, and actually I didn't stay in Berlin, I think the Euro 18 was in Barcelona, even I'm getting myself confused, I've been to that many places. Now, here I am, limited for time, but there was a lot to see, so I opted for a full breakfast, so that would keep me full while I went to see around Dresden. The gates opened at 5.30, and I wanted to be at the front to see James's face to face, and then... I did need to be there early probably about half past three-ish with a hat because Simona said I'd need one because it was going to be really hot and I was really fair. So thanks to Simona I knew I needed to get tram one or tram two into Jungard and I needed to buy the Euro 9 ticket that she told me about because it could be used for all forms of transportation and apart from the DE train that we'd been on the day before. So I can go, she told me where to get the euro nine ticket from either the main station or the little shop that has dub on it in dresden so i usually go to the venue in advance but thanks to some directions i actually didn't need to so i just decided to check where to get the tram from now breakfast was really nice i took a croissant to have later on as well and off i went to tour the town while it was quiet and before it got too hot there's a building in dresden with a wonderful mural on it and i'm sure it's important And it's not that I wish I'd had some way of contacting to Simona to ask her what it was about, because it would have been great and she would have known the answer. And then I walked on to see the castle. It was an amazing building. There's a lot of construction happening on it now. And it'd be nice to come back and see it when it was finished. And it's 8am already, starting to feel very hot. And Simona is right about me needing a hat. So I went off and sat on a bench watching the wheel go by having eaten my very flat croissant that got squashed in my bag and then I went off clothes and hat shopping. Now I'm not really a massive fan of either but I did need to get a hat. So I found a lovely straw hat in the shop and despite the language barriers the lady in the shop were fantastic. They showed me that the inside of a hat tightened and this is something I didn't know. I've always struggled with hats before because I have a really small head. I wear a child-sized riding hat and the hat really suited me but I was too big and she showed me the string and did it up and it worked and it was just a revelation. It was a complete change from my usual baseball caps. So I bought the hat. I decided I had nothing to match it though. I'd need to get a dress. So off I went dress shopping. There's a nice little shopping centre there and I managed to find a dress in an unlikely shop which mainly sold outdoor clothes. It was navy, blue with little flowers all over it and a rope around the waist. It was perfect as it was too hot to wear anything else. I then went off to get some lunch trying the mozzarella pastry type thing back to the diet on Saturday, I think. I then headed off to Junggard, which was an outdoor park venue in Dresden. The weather was baking when I left and I arrived at the gates at half past three in my dress and my hat. Glad that I'd arrived when I did as I was already a small queue. And I'm glad that I did in Germany had start chosen to wearing my nice hat as I had a German pen pal called Hermann. And when I went to stay with his parents, they had a shoe shop and I met his sister who was a millionaire and she told me to try some hats on, which I which I did. And she said they really suited me and that I should wear them. But it had clouded over slightly and as it was really warm <laughs> and when it's really warm and clammy you get you get it thunder and lightning storms and it started. And I thought you're English you idiot you should have brought a pack a backpack with a mac in it or an umbrella that I bought in Stuttgart which I nearly brought with me. But then I thought no it's going to be 30 degrees I won't need it so I left it in the car at the airport. We all huddled under a large tree and took shelter. And my hat helped a lot as the water splashed on that, and it was only on my sh- one of my shoulders that got wet. Then the rain dried up and the gates opened, and I ran to the stage along with the other front runners. And it was an amazing concert, and I was right at the front, and I had a brilliant view, and the atmosphere was electric. And James Blunt's energy enthusiasm on stage was incredible. He has some amazing fans in Germany. And the people all know the words. And he said, thank you. And everyone turned to look at me, which was a little bizarre. But there we go. And uh, anyway, the um, usual end song concert ended with Country Roads. And quite a lot of us stood and sang, not wanting to actually leave, as the atmosphere was so absolutely incredible. And the next day, I headed back to Stansted. And I managed to spray aftershave on myself, in <laughs> duty-free instead of perfume. So I then just shoved on some strong perfume to cover it up. I lost my sense of smell a few years ago after catching a cold on a business trip to China. So I have no idea what I smelled like on the flight. I fell asleep anyway. I really hope I didn't snore. Now, while I was in Germany, most German people think I'm German. I think it's my hair. And they usually ask me something in German. And I always reply, sorry, I'm English. And I think at the moment with Brexit, I feel I need to apologise for being English and say, I didn't vote for Brexit either, as I understand how it must make people in these countries we elected to leave feel. And the irony, of course, is that there are the same issues in France and Italy with groups unhappy about immigrants coming to live in their country. But we're all people, so why should not we not extend our hand out to people who have arrived from war-torn countries, having lost everything, having travelled the world and um, steered a 3 mast schooner, Sir Winston Churchill, in the dark, in the middle of the night, in a rough sea, trying to main course using a compass. I can wholeheartedly say that somebody must be in a really desperate situation to try to get to the safety of Europe in a small boat. But if we want to cut the number of migrants, the answer isn't to try and deny them entry. It's in the form of diplomatic negotiations and financial support into the countries that they're coming from to stop them wanting to leave in the first place. It is in Western companies investing in those countries to create jobs to help with the infrastructure so that people there feel that they have a future in their own countries. Can you blame the man who lives in a tin shack on a beach who now has a smartphone and can look at how Westerners live for wanting that for himself? If we in the West didn't post so many photos of how great our lives were and maybe took photos of homeless people or some dodgy parts of city or damp ridden flats and constant rainfall, having spent two weeks in the sunshine and had constant texts from mother complaining about the weather, I can tell you it's put me off living in Chester. (laughs) twinned with Forres I think is it Forres no (laughs) Forks if Forks is an actual place I don't know I just know it from Twilight that it rained a lot now I collected my car from the hotel car park and that I stayed in I'd left successfully left the car park I did manage didn't manage to lose my ticket this time no, actually, I've misread that and can't be to delete it. I did manage to lose my ticket. I managed to lose a car park ticket in the distance between the hotel door and my car, which was about 100 metres, and I couldn't find it anywhere. So I had to go back and get another one. And then I headed over to Norfolk. and managed to pitch my tent in a matter of minutes. You think Norfolk, that's quite a journey. But I hadn't been there before and I went off to find a supermarket when I pitched my tent to get a few more supplies. And I had an early night and I woke up at 4am again the next day because it was so light. I had a shower at the campsite and then I set off at 7am. And I drove to Cromer and I'm sorry if you hear the dog snoring in the background. (laughs) She's just grown rather loudly. To drive through and I went to see loads of little villages on the way to Holcomb Hall, which is where I was going. And I parked at Holcombe Beach and went for a wander about. And we're supposed to be related to the person who built Holcomb Hall. Well, and also the person, it's not just, so that's Matthew Brettingham and actually his brother, Robert Brettingham. Now, Robert Brettingham married into the actual Cook family. So we are technically, through the maternal line, related to the guy right at the top of the chain, um, now it's interesting to note that they were once apparently one of the richest families in England, and you kind of wonder where where did it all go? You know, where was my share? Because our side of the family, the the kind of maternal female side, really didn't have that much at all. And again, because males inherit everything, I kind of think that's maybe a little bit unfair. Now. When I got to the house I thought I might have some kind of connection to it and apart from being tapped on the shoulder by an invisible entity in one of the rooms which I didn't panic about but it was a bit bizarre when I looked behind me and there was no one standing around and I was definitely tapped on the shoulder 100% sure of that. Now I parked up at Hulken Beach and went for a wander around and it was nice and I got some little sand which I've shoved in a bottle and it's on my cabinet here. And I could see a line of kids cantering their ponies on the beach and then headed up to the main house and the family experience was really interesting. Although there were no horses on the estate now, but I'd always wondered where my love for them came from and horses used to be a massive part of the estate. The house was beautiful. The layout was really well thought out with lots of West Light entering the rooms. The family would have been riding with guests in the day. So then they would come in through the back entrance, which was a grand hall. And then straight up to the toilet. There's two two toilets, and um, because that's what you'd need to do as soon as you've been through hunting. And the floor was all easily mopped. There was no carpets or rugs, and it all made sense. And uh, it it was just my house. And I I'm not a massive fan of um old stately homes, but I love this one. And it's full of secret passageways for the servants to move about in. And I really really want to go back and see all those and have a tour round. And go there at Christmas and it has underfloor heating which is amazing and the fan in the old oven was used to turn the spit which is really clever technology a bit like if you have a log burner there's a little fan that kind of you can put on top that helps move the heat around the house and then I walked down to the, wall, the walled garden as well which was lovely and um, I really really enjoyed my visit there it was so well worth it if you haven't been to Holcomb you should go then I got in my car around lunchtime and I set off on my road trip from one edge of the east coast to the other edge of the west coast of the UK. And I've done it. I drived there from east to west in a matter of a few hours, unlike if you were living in the States. And that's the end of my podcast for today. I really hope you've enjoyed it. Um... So thank you so, so much for listening. I um, really, really appreciate it, guys. It means a lot. And I hope you get something from it. Um, and hello out there. Um, there's a couple of people I know who always listen. Thank you so much and take care. And I'll catch you next week.